0: Last year, we focused on uh, when I was here a lot of the concepts of stand. You know, stand up for Jesus, stand against the evils of this world, stand against the snares of the devil. We looked into the reality of this world and the history of this world, and we also looked into uh, head into the kingdom of God. We have an opportunity earlier this month to study fasting and how fasting helps us humble our hearts in, uh, in front of the Lord. And yeah, so that he can lift us up, and uh, that he receives the glory and the honor that he deserves. Um, so now that we have a firm foundation of the realities of this world, I thought it might be a time to look at the concept of goal. So we went from stand to go. Go build the kingdom. Go do what the Holy Spirit prompts you to do. Go make disciples of all nations. And uh, some of the, this concept of Go is um, from uh, a message I heard earlier this month from our presbyter, Pastor Kim Buckman, up at Harvest Time. And so they usually choose a theme every year, and this year's theme is Go. So they'll be a, looking at a lot of messages throughout the Bible on the concept of going or moving for the Lord. And I thought that might be uh, a nice message uh, as we finish up our first month here in 2023, January. And it's still the year's still fresh and new. Uh, maybe it's time for us to look at the concept of go as well. So I, I took some of his, his uh, scripture and his, his concepts there, and I kind of personalized it and, and customized it into this message here this morning. So let us pray Heavenly Father, we long to be with you. Lord, you are with us, and with that, who can be against us? Lord, you asked us to go, to be your hands and feet in this world. Lord, it is time for us to break our habits and that it keeps us from fulfilling your will. Lord, it is time to go. Go help us help us to go. Please bless this message and bring it alive in our hearts through your Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, there are if you start thinking about it, there's quite a few instances in the Bible where God tells an individual or for us to go. I think back uh, in Genesis in Abraham, uh, go from your country, your people and your father's household to a land that I will show you. And eventually Abraham, Abraham, Abraham became Abraham. Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city and preach the message that I tell you. We know what happened to Jonah, right? He wasn't he wasn't in the in the mindset of going, right? And he took a little voyage in the belly of a whale. Jesus says, There, go, make disciples of all nations. Likewise, the concept of go can be seen in the word come. Come follow me. In that situation, the words come and go really are from the viewpoint of the speaker and listener. Right? Either somebody's telling you to come or to go. But both instances, you're moving. You're moving towards or from something. Matthew 4.19, Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. In In that situation, the disciples followed Jesus. The term come and go are commands to move. You have all heard the analogy, I don't know if I'm coming or going, meaning we're just moving around in a crazy fashion, doing something, Right? God expects us to move on his behalf in our lifetimes. To move on his behalf in our lifetimes. You know, I started thinking about go, and then you started thinking about that concept of the rapture. So I wanted to take a quick peek at that before we move on. I think the ultimate move or go is when we'll be caught up with the Lord in the air, in the clouds. Many Pentecostals refer to this event as the rapture. Although the word rapture is not found in the Bible. That's something that we took a word, a Greek word, that seems to be pulled away um, with some lofty emotion of ecstasy. So when we're raptured, we're pulled away up into the clouds with the Lord, and and, uh, there's intense amounts of joy that uh, we will um, participate in. Well, let's just take a look at the, the A.G.'s position um, of rapture, they call it the blessed hope. It's in uh, the Tenant 13 or Article 13 of our, our beliefs, the blessed hope. So, this is what they say um, on the AG.org site The resurrection of those who have fallen asleep in Christ and their translation together with those who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord is the eminent and blessed hope of the church. And they use four verses in the Bible to kind of uh, to build that, uh, that, that thesis there for that article of faith. First Thessalonians four sixteen and 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive will remain, shall be caught up t- together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. That is some amazing, amazing illustration that I see in my mind when I, I read through that verse there. The next one is Romans 8.23. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. The next one, Titus 2.13, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearance of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. And the last one they have on their website is 1 Corinthians 15, 52, 51 and 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. And in the, in, in, uh, you know, the little A next to the word mystery on the bottom of the Bible says a hidden truth. We shall not all sleep, But we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Wow, what a glorious promise in his word. Everything else in the Bible has proven to be true. We read through the third of the Bible that talks about end-time prophecies and prophecies, and we see those all coming to pass right before our eyes. Every day you're like, whoop, oh, yep, that relates to this verse over here. We can see that the word of God is true and it's coming to pass. So we have really no reason to believe that this this event or this situation will not come to pass as well. We have great hope. To be pulled away. We can look at, at, at the rapture as a future event, but it also can be our calling now. To be pulled away and have overwhelming emotion for Jesus. Why wait for that future event? Be pulled away now and serve Jesus with overwhelming joy. So when the rapture happens, it's just a continuation of, of glory. How many people, do you, uh, how many people you know knows that it's hard to pursue, um, it's hard to be pulled away from the world and pursue God? It's, it's a, that's a challenge. You know, we look back at Abraham in Genesis again, and God pulled him away. You know, God says, I will take you to a land that you do not know. Hebrews 11.8 explains this a little bit more. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. He was able to be pulled away. He was able to live in this life. Like this world was not his home. He followed the Lord. The disciples, Jesus, came to those fishermen and said, "Come, follow after me." In Matthew 4:19, he said to them, "Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." Jesus pulled them away. They left their jobs, their lives, and they followed Him. That is what a rapture is, a pulling away from God, a uh, pulling away to God. It's not about the don't, don't, don'ts in life that some denominations try to try to push on their congregations. It's about pursuing something better. There is this pursuit of heaven that the kingdom of God is here today. The Bible says we're already seated in, heavenly, in the heavenly realms, yet we are in a time, this church age, this 2,000 years, where God has come, but he's not here yet with us. Jesus was victorious over death and hell, but he left. He left us for a time, He gave us the Holy Spirit. And now, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we wait, await his return. So during this time of, of, of waiting, it's a life of faith for us. During this, uh, I think about, when, with a life of faith, I think about Noah. Noah building the ark was a life of faith. One hundred years to build, the Bible says. In addition, if you, the Old Testament was written by God, of course, but through the Jewish um, the people, and some Jewish traditions and some of their other historical documents said he planted those trees that built the ark. So you know, a hundred years is a long time, and he knew he needed an immense amount of gopher wood and, and wood to build that ship. So he actually planted some of the trees that eventually was used to build the ship. Noah's story, though, didn't start with the ark that we all learned in Sunday school. It started with a righteous man living in an unrighteous world. What did it take to be the only righteous man in the whole world? What did he obey? If you think back on the timeline of when Noah was alive, was the law even written yet? the Moses and the Ten Commandments, that came later. It was his pursuit of God. It was his daily rapture walk with the Lord. The Bible says in these last days that the love of many will grow cold because of the increase in wickedness in our world. But if you think about it, if Noah can make, make it in the Old Testament... How much more can we make it when we have the Holy Spirit inside us? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We have that power now since Jesus came to this earth and uh, was resurrected and defeated death. He has empowered us to live righteousness in these days. So during these days, kind of brings us back to a little bit about our Bible study this morning. And you know how... How uh, you know God is is sovereign over governments and sovereign over everything in this world, but yet we see the politics of this world and all these other things that just agitates us to no ends. <laughs> Especially if you can kind of see from a biblical perspective how everything's going down and you know what they're doing. So we have grief. We have grief while we live on this earth, with all the laws and the agendas to change the Christian Judeo laws of the land. It reminds me where the scripture said Lot was grieved. Now, if you remember the story of Lot, we'll start with Second Peter 2, 7 and 8. And delivered righteousness Lot, who was opposed by the filthy conduct of, of the wicked. And in parentheses, the Bible says, For the righteous men dwelling among them, tormented by righteous souls from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Now, Lot, if you remember, was Abraham's nephew. Lot left the land where Abram left and settled with Abraham and his family in their lands and by Canaan. But Lot uh, eventually, both the, their families were growing large and, and their flocks were getting larger. And so Lot says, well, I'm going to move on. And he started looking around and he saw the plains off to the, I believe it was to the northeast. And, he, and, and the city of Sodom and Gomorrah over there it seemed to be a happening place. So Lot saw those lands and it was pleasing in his sight. So he said, Abraham, I'll go over there. I'll go in that direction. You know, eyesight is huge. Where is the focus of our lives? What are we looking at each and every day? Um, you know, our eyes are, are the portals to our soul type thing. And the more we're looking at something, concentrating on something, that's where our energy and that's where our, our soul is fixated on. Things can always be an allure if we're not, we're not careful. But, brothers and sisters, life is a life of faith. Lot lived in Sodom. It was a, a, a terrible decision he made for himself. But the Bible, the Bible said that Sodom was a city of shameful sin, full of adultery and lies Pridefulness, careless ease, abundant idleness, and committed abominations in the eyes of the Lord. Today we see the rise of these same sinful traits in our society. We grieve for where the world is going. And this grieving sometimes feels like that's all we have. If we don't if we take our eyes off the Lord for even a minute. But the life but it is a life of faith that we live, and we just have to continue on with that life of faith. Just like Abraham didn't know where he was going, but he just, in faith, followed the directions of the Lord. Lot lost his possessions, uh, Pat, Lot, Lot lost his passion and pursued Sodom, Sodom, but even in his mistake, the Lord delivered him. If you remember the story, Jesus said, uh in, in the Gospels. Remember Lot's wife? So the angel of the Lord met Lot in the city, and it was just, was some of the description there, it was pretty much an abomination going on there. And he says, we're leading you out. The Lord is going to destroy this wicked city. We're leading you out, and the only thing we ask is don't turn back. Don't look back to what we're leaving, your past life. Now go forth to the, to the Lord. And... um even after that angel Lord gave them that warning of the process of saving Lot and his wife and family, his wife turned back. In Luke 17, 32 and 33, Jesus said, Remember Lot's wife? Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. Who can live this life of rapture without God's help? People, we find ourselves today turning around all the time. We need God's help. And I think that's why it's so important that we go to church and Bible studies together and just spend time with the body because we can help each other from those times where we're just distracted and we're starting to turn around and a brother and sister can come alongside you and just give you that Bible verse or that hug or that encouragement, that little love that you need to bring your focus back on the direction of where the Lord wants us to go. Jesus is always saying follow me. There's this constant call, follow me, follow me. Jesus is calling us to rapture ourselves to him. You know, Moses was called aside if you remember the whole story of Moses, you know, in the basket and grew up in Pharaoh's court and he was was given favor and then he killed an Egyptian and was driven out. He was called to free Israel from the Pharaoh. And he had a nice life going on the other side of that desert over there. Uh, you know, he had a, a wife and, you know, a, a, a herd and other things like that. But God called him out and said, hey, You need to go back to Pharaoh's court. How much easier would it have been uh, for him to go over to Babylon's court where he never was before? He never had a reputation and never had any situation that he would be under trial. God, uh, we have to be about your work, Lord. God calls us back to what we're familiar with. There's a reason things happen in our lives. And sometimes those things in our lives that happen and those experiences help us to minister to other people in the future. And, um, you know, we have to be sensitive to that, of, of those callings. It's not about us, though. It's, it's about other people knowing Jesus. And that's why the church is here. That's why we're here this morning. That's the reason for the existence of the church. So let's look at that overwhelming joy of the the rapture. One of the obvious stories I think about is Zacchaeus. In climbing that sycamore tree, remember Jesus was coming into the city and Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the sinner that everyone uh, thought of the tax collector was the lowest of the low of their society. They always usually cheated. and took more than what they were supposed to but Zacchaeus had an encounter with a God and, and, uh, and so he climbed that sycamore tree to hear about this Jesus that he heard so much good things about. And something inside him says, my life is not right. I have to see Jesus. In Luke 19, 5, and 8, 19, 5 through 8, and when Jesus came to the place he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, Make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. For he, so Zacchaeus made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, the others saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. So everyone else is like, You're going to with Zacchaeus' house, Rabbi? Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, 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 I give half my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will restore fourfold. Now that's the rapture. Being pulled away from the world and towards Christ. What joy Zacchaeus must have felt at the acknowledgement and confirmation from his Jesus. Zacchaeus offered one half of his wealth to the Lord. And Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this house this day. The Son of Man has came, came to seek and save. When God seeks, He finds salvation brings healing and holiness, our calling. As we continue to see the signs of these last days, as we start seeing all these things piling up, our hearts start to cry, "Lord, God, I just want to go home. I don't want to live in wicked days." But this is our calling this year is to go. It is a rapture, a pulling away from the world and to pursue Jesus Christ, a desire to go home, to be to experience overwhelming joy at being with the Lord. There is another Jewish tradition about the story of Enoch and some of the other old um, texts and scriptures, uh, ancient Jewish scriptures. Enoch walked with God. That is biblical. That's in the in the in the Word. He lived about three hundred and sixty-five years. Enoch was the fifth generation from Noah. So, if you kind of you know five generations, think about what your five generations back was. But due to that length of time that was pre flood, when there wasn't all these wicked viruses and bacteria and, and the, the DNA, our DNA was just more perfectly aligned with the heaven and with, with our origins. So they lived ex- extended lives back in those days. So Adam was still alive when Enoch was born. So Enoch pursued Adam. But, but the story goes by that time, uh, after the five generations you got to remember the Nephilim were on this earth at that time the fallen angels, even Jesus says I saw Lucifer and John streak down and be thrown out of heaven onto earth so there was a lot of wickedness and that wickedness was working with the early humans and, and training them in the art of war and all this other all the terrible things and uh, they started killing each other and they started greed and lust and all the things uh, were developing in the human heart and um, and so Adam and his wife Eve just isolated themselves off in a cave somewhere. Um, and uh, so Enoch went out as, as a young man, he went out in search for one of his you know, older ancestor, Adam, and he finally found him. And the story goes: Enoch sought out Adam, and they had a conversation. Enoch asked, "What was it like to walk with God every morning?" He you not know, just love God. And he's what was it like to walk Adam to walk with God every morning in the garden? You know, we overcome the devil by the word of the of the Lamb and our testimony. What what we speak to others brings life or death, and we wanted to bring life. So when Adam shared his his te- his his experience about walking with the Lord, it even changed Adam's heart. The, the story goes. The story of walking with God was released into Enoch's life. Enoch absorbed that story and held on to it. And the Bible goes on to see, say that Enoch walked with the Lord so much that one day he was walking with God and in such communion with God, God says, okay, I will take you up to heaven with me. And it's one of the two instances in the Bible that a, ma- a man was raptured right into heaven and never experienced death. Whether we go home with him in the rapture this year, or whether we walk with God this year to see where it leads, either way, it's a win for us. We can't lose. The passion to walk with him and to let go of things. Let go of all that strife that the world's trying to create right now. Let go of it all. Focus on Christ. Focus on those things above, not on earthly things. To be pulled away from the world, brothers and sisters. So in conclusion, rapture means to be pulled away. Pulled away from the things of this world and to pursue the kingdom of God. We are called to go. Go make disciples. Go into all the world. Go. There are many instances in the Bible where we're called to come or go. Go. We were created for his glory and to move in his divine purposes. To move in his divine purposes. When was the last time you came or gone? Somewhere for the Lord. And I know this is speaking to my heart as well (laughs) today. Now, I'm not implying that we go all to Africa. The last thing I want is to all us break out in chorus saying, please don't send me to Africa. Right? Right? Like we all heard before, and we all get a grin when we hear that song. But how about going to visit a neighbor in need? Going to a nursing home to bring God's light and love to a captive audience? Or to go to that weekly Bible study, even if you're very versed in the Bible, you know, and you know it back and in front, but maybe going there to encourage someone else in the Lord and to help their walk with the Lord. There are plenty of places. And, and, and things we can do that imply goal in our lives. So what I would like you to do this week is think about what is that goal? What is that calling that God has upon your life this year? That little subtle thoughts that kind of sits in the back of your mind. Maybe it's something here in the, in the church body, uh, some new ministry, or maybe it's just working with somebody, uh, connecting with somebody and helping them on their journey. Go find your calling this year and pursue it with all your heart. He is not expecting us to live sanitary lives where we're just kind of sitting and waiting for his return. We're expected to move for him and on his behalf. It's time to move. It's time to go. Let us pray. Help us go, Lord. Go do your will. To be, go be your hands and your feet. Help us to build your kingdom for your glory. Rapture us away each and every day, away from the temptations and trials of this world that brings us so much grief. May we find joy and peace in this journey as we wait upon your second coming. May, we find, may you find us coming and going and doing your will when you return. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And I leave you with this ber- verse as we conclude here in the benediction, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.